This audio presentation was pre-recorded and edited for brevity and clarity. Hello, I'm Michael Buckley at the Bright Focus Foundation. Thank you for joining us for today's Bright Focus chat. Short days, long nights, low light, and other challenges of the holiday season. And uh, if your weather is anything like what we're having uh, here in Maryland right now, it's a very uh, timely topic. It's a, it's a dark, rainy day here, and we're doing this topic today because around the country the days are getting shorter and that really has a lot of impact on everyone, particularly people who have some vision challenges. That's why today we're joined by Stephen Azman, the Director of Patient Care at Low Vision Specialists of Maryland, Virginia. Their practice is a member of the International Academy of Low Vision Specialists and they specialize in maximizing patient vision and customizing optical systems for adults with significant vision loss, including macular degeneration. Their goal is to improve the quality of life for patients whose vision loss makes the activities of daily life more difficult, and they have a great rate of success in helping patients improve their, their vision. So if today's your first time joining us in a Bright Focus chat, uh, welcome. just want to take, take a moment to tell you uh, what we'll do today. Bright Focus Foundation funds some of the top scientists in the world. We're supporting research all around the globe that tries to find cures for macular degeneration, glaucoma, and Alzheimer's. We share the latest news from these scientists with families that are impacted by these diseases. We have a number of free publications and plenty of materials on our website, brightfocus.org, that offer tips for living with diseases like macular degeneration. Today's Bright Focus chat is another way that we share this information. Now I'd like to turn to Stephen Isman. Stephen, I want to thank you for joining us today. And we frequently get questions from people that have a tough that that have some challenges this time of year as um, there's fewer, you know, uh, less daylight, and things get a little trickier both driving and around the house. So, given that this is occurring for many people, particularly those affected by macular degeneration, we wanted to hear from you uh, right now. So, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what you do at your practice. Sure, abs- absolutely. Um, so, we've been providing uh, advanced low vision for over 40 years now. Um, Dr. Thomas Asman, our our lead doctor. Uh, has always had a passion for low vision, helping people with macular degeneration and other low vision conditions, and, you know, touches people from all across the country sometimes, providing them with improved vision. And as you mentioned, we'll be talking uh, now about, you know, improved lighting, uh, especially around this time of year. How can, what can, what are some of the tips that we can provide to our patients um, to help them around around the house and other other common goals. Well, great. We we already have two questions in. Uh, uh, one, Helen in New Jersey and Janet from California are both ask, asking questions about lighting. You know, they're this time of year uh, we're awake uh, during dark hours more than than other times of year. So Helen and Janet had questions about how to make the most out of lighting in their house. What type of uh, lighting adjustments can you make around the house? Yeah, so lighting is a very important concept that unfortunately is sometimes overlooked uh, for people with macular degeneration and other low vision conditions. So proper lighting, you know, is really crucial uh, to maximize uh, the the quality of of a person's vision. Now, generally speaking, you know, bright light is, is very important, but sometimes too much light can also be um, overwhelming for the patient. So sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes we have to figure out exactly how much light is really going to give us the best the best quality. Um, 
very often um, gooseneck lamps are very beneficial to bring the lighting much closer to one who's reading uh, a newspaper or a book because when you bring the lamp clo two times closer, that will, that will provide four times the amount of illumination. So having the proper lighting and, and brought close to you can, will, you know, will maximize the, the lighting to provide a better, a better vision. Now, <clears throat> you know, with the, goose, the gooseneck lamp, um, you know, there's all kinds of light bulbs out there. And really the best thing is for natural light uh, using full-spectrum bulbs, which can be incandescent, halogen, LED, um, which are the newest technology of, of light bulbs, which really give you the brightest and the crispest light. But halogen and incandescent bulbs obviously will work too. The main concept to realize is that, you know, while we have overhead lighting, you know, almost everywhere we go, when bringing that light closer with a device like a gooseneck lamp, you know, that's providing four times the amount of illumination when it's brought closer. Um, so for reading, and that's a you know very important factor yeah. of of having that imp that um, that bright light uh, to give you that better quality of vision. Yeah, well that's really interesting, Stephen, that you mentioned how it it, it can be that twice as close actually gets you four times the illumination. And I appreciate the point you make that it's not just increasing the overall quantity of light, that there are factors such as the type of light bulbs you mentioned and types of lamps. And uh, I, think that's really, I think that's really interesting. And um, uh, glad you mentioned reading. That's something that, that's very popular um, among people, particularly in the, in, the winter, in the winter months. What about for people who, who do their reading on, an, on a... Um, an iPad, a Kindle, a, a, a tablet, a device like that. What can what can they do to to help them read the best and and you know maybe minimize discomfort or eye strain? A absolutely. So now that we're in the 21st century, we have people of all ages using iPads, iPhones, Kindles, all kinds of wonderful new tablets and devices. And thankfully, most of these devices they already come incorporated. For, to help patients with low vision. They have the option to maximize the font. Some of them have the ability to zoom in, um, already built into the operating system of these devices, uh, increasing the contrast, the brightness. So with these, with these options, it really can, can help a, a person out when they're using these devices. Uh, in our practice, uh, very frequently we'll have patients who are, are working these tablets very successfully by using some of the settings that are already built in. Uh, additionally, there are many apps out there um, that you can download that can give you more advanced functions uh, of zooming in. Some of them can do OCR, which is optical character recognition, and can actually read the things um, on your devices to you instead of actually having to read it. It'll read it out loud. Um, one, of, one of the products that we recommend often is called Zoom Text. And that's by AI Squared, uh, which they have multiple different versions of applications that, that work on tablets, iPhones, Android devices, desktop computers, laptops, which can really um, uh, increase the quality uh, when reading on these devices. Um, additionally, for the old-fashioned people like myself who prefer to read from a book or a newspaper, um, you have a lot of common things, uh, generic devices like handheld magnifiers, 
um, desktop magnifiers, magnifiers with lights built in, as we just talked about a few moments ago, having proper lighting is beneficial. So if you have a magnifier with a light built into it, that's putting that light source right on top of the paper or book that you're reading, therefore you know, providing much more illumination. Uh, you have things that many people are familiar with, the uh, CCTV readers, and additionally, um, for people who want really the best possible vision, there are custom bioptics microscope glasses that can be designed specifically with one's prescription, providing the magnification with their prescription to really ultimately give them the best vision possible. Oh, so there, that's great. Go ahead. I'm sorry, did I cut you off? There, there are many options that uh, you know one can use, and sometimes you can incorporate using all of these options. So there, there are many wonderful options there to help pay, to help people um, be able to get back to reading uh, a book, a magazine, or just you know using their tablet, or laptop, or desktop computer. Uh, that is fantastic because I know that that reading is such a key part of of quality of life and people continuing to keep their their brain uh, fresh and challenged. And um, so, Steve, kind of related to your your good suggestions about using a. Um, you know, a Kindle, a tablet, a device like that. What uh, related to that? What about watching TV? Is there any particular uh, tips in terms of the type of lighting in the room or the proximity of you to the the TV? Any anything related to that that might help, um, particularly Ab when it's dark Ab outside? Absolutely. Well, obviously, every person is different. You can have multiple people with macular degeneration or another low vision condition, but it can af affect them all in different ways. Generally speaking, if someone's having trouble with their distance vision, they, you know, the larger the TV screen, the better. The closer they sit, generally the better. And you know, with the lighting option, sometimes you know you have to play around with that to figure out what's going to be best for that individual person when watching TV. When reading the book, you know, you want to have that the best illumination. But watching TV, you know, it's, it's really a, it's a different function because it's got its own colors and its own lights, and sometimes maybe a darker room could be better. But it's really a matter of, of really figuring that out. Uh, additionally, as I mentioned, bioptics, microscope glasses can be designed for reading. Uh, the inverse is true for distance for TV as well. So you have bioptic telescope glasses that can be uh, made with one's prescription with their magnification that can uh, allow a person to watch TV from the couch at a normal distance. Again, every person is different. So for one person, they might be able to sit back and watch from 20 feet away where someone might need to sit much closer. Um, and that's in our practice, this is a common theme that, unfortunately, some people out there forget that we're all individuals. We all we can have the same cond medical condition, but it affects our lives in different ways, and, and we all have different goals as to what we want to accomplish. So sometimes the generic things are they are a good first line of defense, but they're they are not always the best thing for the individual. Yeah, no, it's a great point. I think related to to the to the goals that you mentioned, one of the things we hear a lot at Bright Focus is um, people want to remain in their homes. Um, you know, in their uh, as, as long as they can, they enjoy being in their familiar home and neighborhood, and they don't want to, you know, be, um, uh, you know, want to stay there as long as they can. But one of the challenges is falls. Um, we hear a lot of times falling is a is a major reason why people can't live in their live in their home anymore. So I was wondering if you had ideas, particularly as as the lighting, uh, uh, these lighting challenges. Any anything uh, tips about um, safety around the house, particularly as far as it relates to falling? 
Absolutely. So it actually goes back to the lighting again. Now, in this sense, we're not talking about um, lighting, um, you know, close up right in front of your book. We're talking about overhead lighting. Um, obviously, the brighter the overhead lighting, the more one will be able to see around their house. Um, also, things like home automation, motion sensors for, for outside your house, and sometimes it could really be used for inside your house. So, you know, when it gets dark, the lights are automatically going on um, by by time it gets dark outside. For the outdoor lighting, motion sensors are very useful. So as soon as you walk up, the light goes on. So having proper lighting is really a, a common a common theme for many. Um, for many tasks with people with low vision. Uh, so inside the house, you know, lighting, again, is very important. It's also, you know, we're, we're most, most of us are familiar with the, the settings in our home. It's important to identify potential risk factors around the house. Is there a step down? Is there a step up? Um, you know, tripping hazards like carpets, rugs, uh, wires, uh, uneven surfaces. Um, slippery surface, you know, you're going from one room to the next, well, one room might be a carpeted, uh, you know, den, where the next room might be a marble or wood floor, which can be very slippery sometimes. So it's important to be aware of your surroundings. Obviously, most of us know our houses inside and out, but it's still, you know, to think about it, what are the potential risk factors in my home and environment? What can I, what's going, what can I, what can I prevent from you know what rooms can I prevent myself from from falling um, and just being aware of my surround uh, of the surroundings. Um, a common area is the is the bathroom. Um, you know bathtubs and showers obviously can be very slippery, uh, even for, for people without macular degeneration. Yeah. So uh, things like bath mats um, and and things like that are, are very important. Um, additionally, you know if people have low vision glasses that can help them get around wearing their glasses uh, obviously will help benefit them from from knowing their environment better and, and seeing it better uh, to really help uh, prevent people from falling sure and uh, I'd like to continue on the falling uh, in in a moment but just because you mentioned the glasses we've, we've gotten two questions one Thelma in New Jersey and Nanette from Colorado, they're really uh, interested in the glasses that you mentioned a few minutes ago. Um, what type of uh, vision practice would you get um, some of those uh, glasses that you mentioned? Very good question. So there are many low type, there are many uh, low vision practices, obviously around the country, and m many of them, what they'll, many of them will do is provide low vi generic low vision devices like handheld magnifiers. Stand magnifiers, the TV readers, and a lot of other wonderful devices that, in our practice, we consider a first line of defense. But with our our doctors' 40 years of experience, we've noticed that while these do work in the beginning, unfortunately, they they're not long lasting, and they really can't provide the best vision for our patients. So, uh, essentially, really simple words. These are special glasses that utilize telescope and microscope lenses um, to provide the best vision possible. Uh, 
they're generally designed at the proper magnification and the precise prescription, not only for each individual, but for their individual tasks, whether it be reading, watching TV, driving, um, seeing family members' faces. Obviously, as I mentioned before, everybody has their own their own goals and agenda. Now, as a as you mentioned in the beginning, we are a part of a, an association called the International Academy of Low Vision Specialists, and it's IALVS.com. Uh, that can be found online, where there are about 50 or 60 doctors who specialize in advanced low vision designing these special glasses, and they have, do- they have trained doctors throughout the country. So the best place to the best resource to, to learn more about these glasses is going to IALVS.com and reaching out to a doctor that's closest to you. Um, and then those doctors obviously can provide more details, um, you know, for the specific person. Well, great. And just one more, uh, uh, actually two two quick things related to that. One, as a general rule, um, does insurance cover uh, that's, some that's of the products? That's a very good question and a very important question. Generally speaking, it does not cover it because Medicare and most providers follow the uh, Medicare rules that because this this is not treating a medical condition, it is generally not co- not covered by Medicare and generally not covered by other insurance providers. Well, it's good to know. So, Steve, I want to get back to um, the good points you were making about safety around the house. One of the big areas we hear about is stairs. Do you have any suggestions for this very uh, high-risk part of people's homes? Absolutely. And uh, it's funny repeating it again, but, again, lighting is very important. You want to be aware of, you know, where the steps are in your home. Uh, So lighting, again, is a common, uh, common theme across the board for patients with macular degeneration. Um, some of the obvious basics are, you know, using the proper, having the proper grab bars and handrails, make sure they're properly secured, um, mounted, however the environment is. But, and, of course, using those handrails, um, it's, a, it's a great idea to go, you know, hand, one hand at a time, taking, the, taking your time going up or down a step, you know, one by one, um, taking, you know, shorter heights. Um, but, you know, again, being being aware of your surroundings obviously uh, makes things uh, much easier. When you know the steps are there, uh, using the, the guardrails. And, you know, don't try to overdo it by carrying objects you know, when walking down or up the steps. And a, a very common uh, concept is a, a chairlift. Some, you know, some people, even though they might not have problems walking, uh, but they're concerned about going up and down the steps, a very common thing is to have a chairlift installed in one's home to take the person up and down the staircase. And, uh, you know, again, some basic ones is don't be ashamed to use a cane or a, some kind of walking assistant uh, if that's going to, to make, you know, you feel more comfortable. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And, and um, kind of just following up on that, I, I've heard of people who might create a color contrast at the um, at the end of a stairs set of stairs. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about how to do that or what that is? Um, so, you yeah. know, things like something that just can make an obvious difference um, in it, on the flooring, whether it be um, having different lighting again, um, some kind of bright tape on the floor or even on the wall, some kind of, 
you know, signal that that you can actually that the per- someone can actually see, and that they know that they're going from from one area to the next, where you know the carpet is changing, where there is a step, you know, precautionary, uh, being you know proactive instead of reactive is always is always beneficial. Fantastic. And so, Stephen, I'd like to take you and our listeners um, from inside the house to to outside. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, Bright Focus funds research on on Alzheimer's and macular degeneration and glaucoma, and kind of a recurring theme in, in age-related diseases is the importance of maintaining, um, a, a, you know, an active and healthy social life and kind of being as, you know, uh, as challenged and uh, as possible. So I know that gets harder this time of year when um, when it gets dark earlier. People want to to keep doing their activities, their social clubs, their faith-based communities, or or holiday gatherings. Um, and now it's 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 dark at, at dinner time in, in in most parts of the country. So could you tell us a little bit about um, driving and the you know the importance of being safe, but also you know the the importance of of maintaining uh, uh, a pleasant life outside of the home? Absolutely. Unfortunately, you know, um, with macular degeneration, sometimes uh, people are, are are unfortunately stuck in their home because you know driving uh, is a little bit scary. So the first thing and the most important thing is making sure that if you are driving still that, A, you're driving safely and, of course, legally. So, you know, let's just talk about a little, some of the concepts uh, about this. Um, so the first thing is, you know, to make sure are you driving legally. Uh, unfortunately, we see many patients who drive to our office and they're legally blind. They do not meet the requirements of the state to legally drive. Now, they feel comfortable that they're driving safely, but the reality is they are not meeting the state's requirements. So knowing your state's uh, requirements for vision is is very important. Um, On our website, which is www.lowvisionmd.org, at the bottom of our homepage, we actually have a link to all the state uh, law requirements regarding vision. So it's important to make sure, most importantly, that People are driving safely uh, and legally, of course. Sure. And I, you hear one of the phrases you hear a lot is visual acuity, and I think it's a term that people use but don't know. Uh, would you be able to tell us what visual acuity is? Because when, when you look at, at some of these uh, state websites you mentioned, that's a phrase that, that you see. So what is visual acuity? Absolutely. So visual acuity is the amount of vision that's measured uh, when you go to the eye doctor, 20, 20, 2100, 2200, uh, whatever that mean, whatever it is for the person. And an average um, visual acuity for a, a driver's license is usually around 2040 or 2060, depending on, on the actual state. So somebody who can read, who is 2020 vision, everyone knows that's considered normal vision, that means at 20 feet they can read. Um, um, assigned properly. For somebody who's at 2100, that means they're seeing the same thing as the person would see from 100 feet away. So it's important to understand uh, basic, you know, vision and, and what it really means. Um, and again, the general uh, rules for for driving is based on visual acuity, uh, also sometimes based on on peripheral vision also, which is usually not a concern for macular degeneration, but other low vision conditions. 
That's great. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, and we're going to uh, continue to talk about driving for another moment or two. Now, Stephen, one of the things I hear a lot with driving is people say, oh, I can drive places where I've been before, places where I know how to go. And my question for you is, does that make sense, or are these people negotiating with themselves or trying to rationalize uh, choices? So what do you think? Uh, unfortunately, in my opinion, and of course every person is different, I, um, many people with low vision or macular degeneration, uh, you know, if they're meeting the legal requirements but they don't feel safe driving, then it's probably best that they, they don't drive. I, everyone has to, you know, be at their own comfort level. But um, it's it's very common that we'll hear from our patients that, you know, I don't drive at night anymore. I only drive locally in my neighborhood where I know the streets. And, Honestly, I get a little concerned when I hear that or when I see the patients drive to our office and I know that they're legally blind or they meet the legal requirements uh, officially, but they maybe still should not be driving. So, But there are things that can be done for that. Well, I know this is such a terribly um, sensitive topic in a lot of families. Do you have any suggestions um, on how families should uh, talk to someone about this or uh, the services that you and, and others provide? Do you, do you offer tips for how to make something less awkward? Uh, well, obviously having, you know, a one-on-one conversation with, with the uh, the parent, grandparent, or spouse, you know, is, is obviously very important. And it's a delicate situation. Nobody wants to lose their independence, especially if they've been driving for 30, 40, or 50 years. Um, but sometimes, you know, we just have to come to the reality that, if you can't drive safely and legally, if you can't see the traffic lights, um, people, of course, other people on the road, street signs, obviously that's that's very concerning, and it's you know it's highly recommended at that time to you know discuss that with with the family about either you know having a spouse or another family member drive um, and 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 to give up their license. Now, for those who want to can potentially still drive, and there are many of those people out there, there are po- there are options of these bioptics, those glasses that I was mentioning about earlier before, where in many cases, not every case, of course, but in many cases, it is possible to provide that legal and safe vision by using these glasses, um, these bioptic telescope glasses. And again, it's important to check with your local state's um, vision requirements because while they're accepted in many in most states there are there may be one or two states where they're not acceptable so it, it is important again to go back to the state laws and to know even though i meet the visual requirements um you know is this are these glasses allowed to be used and again in most states um they are allowed the bioptics are allowed, are approved for driving with when meeting the vision requirements uh, additionally, there's some other technology uh, called eScoop, which are specially um, developed lenses. Sometimes they're, they have a specially tinted yellow or tinted orange lens, which helps uh, with the contrast and it can be very beneficial for nighttime driving as well as daylight. So eScoop is a, a specially developed um, lenses that were uh, d- designed in Denmark for people with macular degeneration. Uh, which many people uh, find very beneficial. That's good to know. And now, um, you, you know, increasingly people have uh, a GPS or some sort of navigation system in their car, and I've heard kind of mixed 
opinions about this, you know, for, for folks with um, some vision challenges. You know, you hear people say that it, it's very helpful, particularly in audio you know, function, but some people say it's distracting. What kind of what do you think about GPSs for uh, people? Uh, I, I think like any tool when it's used properly could be very very benef- very beneficial, but sometimes, you know, if we just listen to the GPS, you'll hear stories where someone actually drove into a lake or into a forest because they weren't really paying attention. So while um it could be very beneficial, it's always um from a safety perspective to pre-program your routes beforehand before even maybe getting in the car or before driving away. This way you have your 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 route already planned. Many many GPS uh, devices, you can see the route ahead of time, make sure it makes sense. So I think there are, it's a wonderful tool that can be used, especially with the audio. Sometimes they can be combined into an, a tablet or an iPhone or some, another device, and you can use that in conjunction with the, with the, uh, with the low vision settings uh, to zoom in and, and really get a better understanding. So I think they're a wonderful device. And for people, even without a macular degeneration or a low vision condition, uh, they're very beneficial. Yeah, well, that's great. And I'd like to uh, continue our travel theme for a moment. This time of year, the holidays, more people go to airports and train stations. Um, that can be a little overwhelming for, for, for all of us where there, there are a lot of signs you have to read or other, other things. Do you have any tips for, for navigating a train station, bus station, or an airport? Absolutely. Now, <coughs> the most common um, thing is if you know if you're traveling with someone, if you can find a, a traveling partner, that can be very beneficial. Uh, this way, you know, a person's not out there on on their own. Somebody uh, maybe who has better vision than what, than the person traveling. So obviously, a travel partner can be very beneficial. Um, we discussed, you know, you know, don't be shy, using a cane or or a walker. You know, don't be shy. We have to. We have to recognize that, unfortunately, there are some things that, you know, we can't do on our own, and we need to, you know, be smart and take advantages of technologies and other devices, like simple devices, maybe like a walker or a walking cane, you know, to really help us out. Um, Again, regular glasses or bioptics that can be used while walking to help, you know, read signs in a train station or an airport obviously can be very beneficial. Um, Smartphones and tablets again um, for checking on the travel schedules again using that Zoom text and other technologies that that could be very beneficial and um, you know working with the um, the whether it's a train station or a bus station or airport with the information center or reservation center you know saying you know I I do need some additional assistance whether it be a wheelchair or just someone to walk me to the to my seat. Um, you know, it's very important to take advantage of these of these uh, options that they are provided. You know, everywhere for people with uh, some any type of disability, including a, a vision disability. Yeah, well, those, those are great points. And how would you how would you respond to someone who, in their gut, knows they need that type of assistance, but yet is also concerned of about not wanting to look vulnerable? Because um, there are unfortunately, you know, people in those public. Uh, transportation settings at, at the holidays time that, that that do prey on on folks. I mean, how how do you suggest somebody maybe reconciles that in their mind? Well, as I mentioned before, a travel partner is always a, a good idea. Um, you know, t- two heads are always better than one. But also, you know, feeling that confidence 
um, and you know, not struggle trying you know to do the best they can, not to struggle through the airport or the train station or where, wherever it is, and and just and again be aware of their surroundings. Uh, and, and that's true for everybody these days, unfortunately, with, yeah. with society and world that we live in. Yeah, no, I think you're right. We have an interesting question, kind of switching uh, gears back to um, some of the devices around the house. Ron from Maryland is wondering about websites that often have a lot of different colors and backgrounds and shading. And I know at Bright Focus, we when we launched our new website about a year and a half ago. This was something we were very, uh, you know, very cognizant of. So, do you have any suggestions when somebody maybe finds a website just a little, li- literally hard on the eyes, just just kind of hard to 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 navigate? Well, yeah, um, depending on what aspect we're talking about. If it's a brightness issue, if it's too bright or too much color, uh, most monitors or tablets, devices, most monitors have, most of these devices do have some kind of setting where you can adjust the brightness, you can tone it down a little bit, you can, excuse me, you can change the contrast. So most devices give you the option to adjust the color and the brightness level. Um, Another option is using some of the built-in functions of a computer or device um, is using the zoom feature to maybe zoom in to one section at a, at a time. This way it's not too overwhelming. You can just look at one section at a time uh, to really understand what's going on and not be distracted by all the other uh, yeah. things on the page. Yeah, no, that's great advice. We have um, a question. Martha in Virginia mentioning was interested in the, the the glasses you mentioned before, the bioptics and others. Do those require training? Is that someone would someone work with a specialist um, such as you, or are these uh, more more straightforward to to get adjusted to? Uh, they're pretty straightforward. Generally, um, training is not required uh, for some people to get back to driving. People who haven't driven in a while. Sometimes an, a low-vision occupational therapist is required. Uh, it really depends on the individual. Uh, for the most part, uh, at least in our practice, um, once the glasses are designed and fabricated, um, in our practice, the doctor dispenses the glasses, going over you know, how to use them, um, and that's, that could be a 45-minute process. So it can't, there is some adjustment period um, to get used to the glasses, but generally, uh, an occupational therapist is not required. However, for driving, it sometimes is required. But again, every person is different. Some sure. people pick it up right away, are used to it. Others take a, a little bit more time. Well, yeah, I certainly appreciate that, that the distinctions there. And so, Stephen, as we kind of reach the the end of our our conversation today, I was wondering, you know, as, as you as you you know are in this line of work for for a number of years, is there a uh, kind of a recurring misperception or or uh myth that 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 your that your uh that people you know bring to bring to these issues or just sort of a, a kind of a, a big picture philosophy or message that you'd like to give people with um with low vision yes unfortunately there is um most of our patients and most people out there with macular degeneration they're they're being told that nothing more can be done for them. And I, I want to really clarify what that means when your doctor says that to you. Of course, your doctor is a wonderful doctor, and these retinal specialists and other doctors, they're saving the, the vision from people from going completely blind. So when, they're be, when pe- people are being told nothing more can be done for them, they're talking about a medical level. Unfortunately, today, 
not have a cure for macular degeneration. Hopefully one day very soon we will, and there's lots of research, as we all know, being done every single day. You, you guys are involved in that. But at the end of the day, there is something that can be done, uh, whether it's bioptics, generic devices, magnifiers, CCTV readers, whatever it is, there are many options out there, and people should not give up hope. Uh, there is something that can be done, and and the goal is to you know provide functional vision for a better quality of life. So you know people should not get distraught when they hear nothing more can be done, because there are options out there, and uh, sometimes it might take a little work to find out about them, but they are there. Um, again, you can go to our website, which is uh, lowvisionmd.org or a, a nationwide site, IALVS.com, which both sites have a, a wealth of information, of resources, and low vision specialists throughout the country. And again, uh, we're in the 21st century, and we have Mr. Google that we can always go to and ask questions, and just simply Googling low vision specialists and other information like that, there's lots of resources out there. Well, great. I appreciate that, Steve. I think that's really you know good good advice for for people in a lot of situations, that that kind of hope and and, and persistence, and I'd like, to, I'd like to tell our our listeners about about several resources that Bright Focus offers for free. Um, Bright Focus has a, a publication called Safety and the Older Driver, and it contains some of the good tips that Stephen mentioned today, and it also um, offers some alternatives to driving. So with that, um, Stephen, I just want to thank you so much for your time. I think you were very very helpful and. Gave us gave people a lot of good advice, and I think we're very very positive about trying to make the most of of this time of year when the the weather gets gets uh, tougher and that the days get shorter. And uh, just really appreciate that. And so again, you know, we offer publications such as Safety and the Older Driver, another one called The Essential Facts About Macular Degeneration. So all these resources are available free to you and your family. So again, Stephen, just want to thank you very much for for your generosity. I think you uh, think you have a lot of great advice for people. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us. All right. Well, this concludes today's Bright Focus chat. Just want to say thank you to everyone. Thanks. Bye bye. The information provided in this recording is a public service of Bright Focus Foundation and is not intended to constitute medical advice. Please consult your physician for personalized medical, dietary, and/or exercise advice. Any medications or supplements should only be taken under medical supervision. Bright Focus Foundation does not endorse any medical products or therapies.